They say in life to be careful what, what you wish for, but no one, and I mean no one, could have predicted the absolute capitulation that we've seen at Stamford Bridge following the departure of Roman Abramovich and the introduction of the Todd Bowley ball, Fool's ball era. And I want to start with you, Matthew, on this note. Obviously, it's been a very tumultuous season, to put it lightly. I think we could call it a crap show, and that would be fair. I think we could also call it diabolical and shameful. But let's just focus on the last couple of games. Obviously, we're going to talk about the Champions League game that played last night and the excitement there. And I think there was definitely some promise for the rest of the season going forward. But Lampard's return, and it has been so sad to watch. What's your thoughts been so far on the Todd Bowley horror show? It is not working. Whatever process he has put in since coming in at the back end of last season to where it is now, whatever he's done or, or whatever he's doing, whatever he's set up, it's just not working and the worst thing is is that even with the summer coming up with no football coming up no, no like tournament or anything like that at the return of next season minus European football you just don't know how it's going to get any better depending on who we like get in we've had two failed managers back to back which is a very un-Chelsea thing you know Graham Potter didn't work out, you know, really unfortunate, but, you know, at least we're getting chances, just not scoring. Then you get Frank Lampard, and that's now dropped. Again, I mean, I don't get why he would have come, but at the same time, I, I feel for the guy because he's he's come in and he just doesn't, he just doesn't know what to do at this club. He just doesn't know what to do. And he's part of the fabric of what we're so successful in the first place. So you can't even say that he's there just to pick up the vibes and just make things happy again. There is no happy Chelsea fan right now. Just seeing what has become in the space of what, 12 months when we, from when Roman had those sanctions and eventually had to leave, what a difference it makes. And just seeing how far like, we have fallen and, you know, the, the question is now, you've had the manager, the players, and even though he's only been there for a short time, the questions will eventually go to this owner. Like, what are you doing? All the things you've done, making yourself control over everything, having James Corden, having words in your ear about how, how, how to run a football club from a West Ham fan, by the way. And just have it now, as of today, even some like senior players, players who know what the game is about, coming out for a change. So now... It's getting worse and worse every single day. It's not just pundits and fans coming out. Now you've got your own players coming out, your own staff coming out after, you know, I know you had a thing going on in the dressing room against Brighton. Now they're coming out and saying something. So you're losing, it's like a mutiny. It's like some kind of mutiny to like show what's going on here. And it's going to get, I got this, I still got the feeling even now, it's still going to get worse before it gets better. You only have to look at the, the table to see just how bad things have got. Crystal Palace have got back their old manager and I think they're like, what, six or three points behind. At the start, when we came back from the international break, when our first game was Aston Villa, they were level on points with us. They're now sixth with, six, with what, 50 points? And that mm. was since the international break. And that was only in March. So that was only, what, four or five games ago? And now look at, and, just, and now just look at where we are as just a symbol of how things have just gone completely toilet duck 
in a not very long space of time. So it's just going to get worse before it gets better. I mean, I could talk about the game, the Brighton game. And it's, the funny thing is, just looking at Brighton is like, we saw what we wanted to be. The Brighton manager, the Zerbi, gave us an absolute schooling on where we should be right now. And the funny thing is that we took that, their old manager to do exactly what he's doing right now. So what we're going to do, go to Deserby and take him well, and then for him to flop, that's why we took Potter in the first place. He plays good football. Deserby plays good football. And we just we just got schooled. It was like Brighton was a home game that day. And then he goes backstage to the to the dressing room, which I'm not, I'm very uncomfortable with, by the way. Like, it's just, you can tell in my voice, I'm just like, I've said uh, let, it so many let, times. Let's touch on that for a second. Because you mentioned about Todd Bowley going... Uh, into the dressing room after the games. And that's been a thing that has been publicized a lot this week, mm. especially after last night's game. He was in the dressing room again. And in fact, let me just share what has come out from, this is allegedly. So allegedly, Tom Bowley asked the Chelsea players why they were not performing to the level their price tags and reputation suggested they were capable of. This is after you got um, knocked out of Champions League against, um, obviously, Real Madrid. How do you feel when you, when you hear about those quotes from the owner who surely has to see and understand the negative impact that he's had on the squad? How do you feel about those quotes? That sounds like someone who doesn't know how football works. Why would, like, you know, one of the, bear in mind, I think he's talking to the newer players, right? That's why he's saying to the newer players, like, why is, you know, who, what, who says that to your new players who've only been in what for four months who probably barely know the Premier League and the first thing is we, we you know we're paying about your price tag who's all, who cares who cares about that necessarily about the price tag like what about saying like why would you mention that I mean and, and why are you undermining a manager that you got in the second manager that you got in surely it's down to the man on the you know the man in the dugout to have a word like that, you know, if it's that deep, call Frank in, have a talk and, and talk to him there. Don't air your fingers all the other players. I mean, in any workplace, when the you know CEO or whatever comes in and undermines the manager that's there that you hired, that makes you look just as bad because you're makes you like the incompetent ones. Like, well, you hired me, okay? Like, let me deal with it. I'm the one with the four game, the four losses on his back. I'm the one who's barely scored any goals. I'm the one who's got to look for these players day in, day out and try and get a tune out of them. Let me do my job. So you coming in like that, it's just a complete under undermine and almost says to me that somewhere along, somewhere, somehow, you've made, you've made a mistake. I just, it just like screams of inexperience of someone who wants to take full charge of a football club. You just, bought the most expensive players you could find because that just, well, if they're expensive, they must be good. And it shows you justified, like, you know, you're, it's like you're gaslighting for, market, you're, for masking your vast inexperience in how the Premier League works. So it just makes you, if anything, makes you look like a proper villain now. And just one sure way the fans are going to jump on your back even more. You know, on that note, I, ju I just want to share some quotes from Thiago Silva that he said after the game last night. There's several quotes that's from a really good interview that he gave. But um, the first one I'll start with is him just kind of talking about the general mood within the camp. So this is following the exit. He said, it's a bit of frustration, a bit of disappointment, a bit of anger. It's possibly my last match in the Champions League and it's sad to finish like that. The frustration is there above all how the game went. He also went on to share his thoughts about the decisions made by the ownership in terms of the players brought in. And he said, 
you know, we, well, it's two things said, we can't blame coaches if we don't take responsibility. It's a difficult moment for Chelsea. Lots of changes. We have many top players, but you also have some unhappy. Then he went on to say, we, we need a strategy in order to not make the same mistakes next season. We signed eight players in January. We need to stop and put a strategy in place. Otherwise, next season, we could make the same mistakes. Pretty strong words. Pretty damning. I think for you, Craig, when you hear that coming out from a player, obviously a player that cares a lot. And we know that with his wife, Bella, whenever anything happens, anyone speaks out against him, she's the first one to jump in and clap back and defend her husband. Because he is one of your, he is your best friend. Um, so for you, Craig, when you hear those quotes, how do you think... And what kind of general mood does it sum up about Chelsea? They bought too many players. They they they, they got too many players on big wages. Overpaid for some players, like Modric, for example, it's not worth eighty five million. He paid for him. No disrespect to Matthew, but barely play him anyway. Yeah, um, two managers are barely playing. Um, you got rid of, you, you got rid of two managers this season. You got rid of your Champions League winning manager Thomas Tuchel, who. If he stayed at Chelsea, most likely would have turned around the form and you got you higher up the table, got you challenged for the trophies, you brought in Graham Potter, you're thinking oh, it might, he plays attractive football, you would think he'll try and win matches, he'll try and get you up the table, didn't work out. You brought back Frank Lampard, and I feel that's a big step, step back. It's not like under the Bramvich days when you're Saka Mourinho and you bring in like a Gus, Gus Hiddink who's got experience in one big trophies. I won you trophies when he was interim manager. So, and something Lampard said yesterday as well, or yesterday or Monday or two, Monday I think he said, he said that the players are not fit enough. So they said that all the players in the team are not fit enough, so. Probably some of them don't play. That's the problem. You got, some of them don't play. You've got 30 players, and I think you only probably use 18 on a regular basis. You're not mm. in any cups. Mm. You're not in the Champions League or anything like that. So you're just focusing on strictly on league mm. games. So of course, not long, not long, not a lot of them, not of them are going to have fitness. Half of them, you know, I barely remember any of them because players how many have started. Mm. I mean, our, one of our strikers, not Bamian, was with Barashide. I don't even remember. I can't remember the last time he's seen him. And when he yeah. plays him, when he's good, he, take, he gets taken off. I'm not, I'm not surprised by that. And not, at not all. only that, like um, you've got like a lot of unhappy players. Like I know Bamang is definitely unhappy. You got a lot of players who like maybe Mudrick looks unhappy as well. Like did I make the right decision coming to Chelsea? The contract. You got you got Thiago Silva who cares. I think some of the players don't care. That's the problem. A lot of players think oh, I don't care. I got big wages. I don't care. I'm just gonna sit. If they don't play, I'm gonna sit. On. Ziyech. Hakim Ziyech can't be happy at nah, Chelsea. He's, he's fought for out he hasn't door. played for. He hasn't played for the last two months. I haven't seen him play for the last two months. Uh, he had a good World Cup for Morocco, and um, I think the big, I think the biggest issue at Chelsea is that they haven't got like they, they don't know their best eleven. That's the problem. You, don't, you guys don't know your best eleven. You got over thirty odd players, a massive thirty squad, and you only can pick how many players can you pick? You only can pick eleven plus five subs. Mm. So you, you every week you have so the half half so of you that. Can make two really good teams. Mm. And and the problem is like. A lot of players are not getting like apparently in training. A lot of players are not able to change in the changing room. Players are changing outside yeah. in a corridor. That's not going to be good for morale. And you spend a lot of money on big name players with big reputations, and they haven't lived up to the reputations of the the season. But is is the players to blame or is the coaching to blame? Because if you're a player and you're not you're not playing to the best of your ability, the ability that you can play for then you have to start taking a look at yourself or look at the management. Is coaching, is coaching them properly? Are they are they being coached to the right system? Say, for example, if Pep Guardiola was Chelsea manager now and he was playing against Real Madrid last night 
I'm sure he would be able to get a tune out of those players last night than than Lampard. I feel maybe. Okay, so let, let's let's go on to that actually because I I think that's a bit unfair, especially in relation to how the game went yesterday for Chelsea against Real Madrid. I think you played really well. We did. That's the worst thing is that we weren't even bad. Over both legs, we weren't pads. I, th- I think for me, the, the sad thing is that they had a really good game plan. Like I'll, give, I'll give it to Frank. I, I, I think he coached a really good um, performance. So it's kind of the tactics of what you wanted to do, you know, playing a box in midfield. So you had uh, Kovacic and Enzo Fernandes at the base and then having Gallagher and Kante in the free roles ahead of them to kind of support the attack, support Havertz, and he had um, Cucurella and James on the outside getting, and you guys were making chances. The only problem is the chances you were making were falling to Gallagher and Kante. Kante. And it's really weird because I was even telling my work colleague this today that I think this game was made for Mason Mount. It was. But for the current negative sentiment around him, I don't actually know why your fans have, I know mean, he went through a period of bad form, but the way there's a general dislike in that I've seen online. I don't know if it reflects in the stadium, but there's a general dislike against him. And it's just kind of like, a, oh, Mason now, we don't really vibe with him anymore. I don't understand. But this this game was tailor-made for him, weirdly. And I think if he had started, he might have got a goal. Because I remember last season, yep. again. He's done it before. So he can do it. He's done it twice. He's done it before. Yep. He can do it again. And under Frank, he was great. Under Frank, he knows Frank. He's played with him at, at Derby and at youth level. Like he's watched him grow from when we first signed him and sent him out on loan. If there's one player that knows Mount very well, it's Frank. And like you said, that's the most frustrating thing. I'm watching this game thinking they're not expecting nothing. But I'm, um, you know, they were Real Madrid. They were quite conservative yesterday. Very conservative. I mean, there was always a danger they could come back and score. And sure enough, it happened twice. But the the, the, the chances were falling to the wrong people someone else would have buried them i agree really would have buried them so it's really frustrating because you know and you can just see that we're not an 11th place team nowhere near an 11th place i'm not saying we're necessarily gonna be fighting for league titles but we're not 11th and we i genuinely believe we could have had them we really 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 could have had them but you know it was fun while it lasted. It was fun like a lot while it lasted. We had nothing to lose anyway. So. Yeah, you, you put in a decent performance and, you know, maybe changing personnel, maybe starting him out, maybe giving Felix a free roll, maybe even Sterling a free roll, maybe even Pulisic. I, I think there's a lot that could have been done with that same structure, keep that four man in or that four players in midfield, mm. but one of them should have been an actual goal threat. Because I think Kante and Gallagher, they worked really well, but the chances they got, you wanted them to fall to someone else. Maybe a Felix, maybe a Sterling, maybe a Pulisic, maybe a Mount. Hell, even a Reese James. He, he put one back. Yeah. But unfortunately, that wasn't the case. Um, on the topic of, you know, the, the, the game itself, and like I said, Frank did really well. However, as a manager, in his last 17 games, he has only won one match, and he has drawn two, which means that he's lost 14 Dang. of his last 17 games as a manager. That's from his spell at Everton and his spell back at Chelsea again. Which begs the question, I'm going to start with you on this one, Craig. Why did Todd Bowley, on the advice of James Corden, think that this made sense? 
And should they have just stuck with Potter and seen out the season? Yeah, they, they, they should have stuck with Potter to the end of the season. Because Lampard, Frank Lampard is a great player, but Chelsea legend. He'll always be a Chelsea legend. No matter what happens this season or whatever happens, he's always going to be a Chelsea legend. But is he tarnishing his reputation, his legacy now as a legend at the club with, with results? Matthew, what do you think? I, as a player, I don't think it's, it's always, the door will always be open to him. The door is always going to be open. If he, need, if he needs mm. to come in and, you know, you know, have a role, a different kind of role, like an ambassador, you know, what Czech was, or Amakaledi was, or, you know, as a representative as a club, the door will always be open. I just think that management at this level, maybe a bit a bit of a bridge too far, you know. I mean, it was, it was for Gerard, and unfortunately, in some cases, it was for Vieira as well. They might want to cut their cloth a bit lower down in another league. There's no shame going to the championship. Look what company's doing in Burnley, for example. Um, I wouldn't say he's tarnishing his legacy uh, per se, but I just don't know why he was hired at a time when we need to be climbing up the table. We need to be seeing something that needs to be salvaged. I mean, the, the four games he's had, he hasn't won one. You know, I, I don't get how someone who's failing at Everton would get a tune out here. I mean, the players aren't going to necessarily listen to him because they know he's only in here until the end of the season and, he's, and then he's off. So why are they going to listen to him? Why not get someone who maybe has some kind of like a like a vision of I was like a plan with plan with players where you're going to be doing this 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 for some of them for some of you guys it might possibly be your last few games here so give yourself a good account because best believe players will be watching no matter what other clubs are always watching just show us what you got if you're generally not happy here you can go off somewhere else but I don't know I mean which would I have been happier with Potter well he was getting more chances he was getting more chances so the general answer is I really can't I, I really don't know is, is really, it also really a bit weird oh. that you haven't actually gone for that permanent manager obviously we don't know if you, you're not having talks to the likes of um, Nagelsmann Nagelsmann and obviously there's talk of Galado but are you a bit surprised that you haven't actually made that move for your next permanent manager as opposed to temporary one? I'm not so, I mean, I think we are making a move for a permanent one. I just don't think those permanent ones want to come to us because they're looking at us, looking on the inside thinking that is a, a ship sinking so fast. There's no amount of patching will ever bring it back up. You know, you could go with someone like Anagosman and who's the one guy you said before? Marcelo Gallardo. We could go with someone like him or do we go back? Look, it's like, you know, we, it's like we've tried two project managers in the space of three years and you can safely probably say it hasn't probably worked. So it also depends on our approach. Do we want to go for a project manager where we can build a team, build a team, build, get some sustainability and get that maybe four or five years from now? Or do we go with what we know what works? Go for the established and go hard. Go for your Enriques, go for your Zidane's, go for your Pochettino's or whatever. Which path does it want to be gone down? You know, an argument to me seems like another another project, but a project who knows how to work at the highest the highest tempo in the league. Granted, when he left, they were second in the Bundesliga, but he seems to be like one of the favourites. But I look at him, is he, what, what, what's, what are you expecting from him? Are you expecting project? Because, you know, we've got, it's already there. I mean, a 600, man, a 600 million pound project, it's a very hard thing to say because it's 600 million. But what, what exactly is he going to be, going to be like producing for us? Because I know a lot of fans are mixed feelings about him. Very, very mixed feelings about him because he's not exactly what you call proven, proven, but he knows how to fight at the highest tempo. So it's like, it, it seems like the most likely candidate who wants to come. I don't think more established managers do like want to come. So I've, I've, heard, I've also heard Ancelotti's name apparently as well. So would he come back? I don't think so. 
I don't think he should come back. I, I think, think he, he would. should preserve his sanity. <laughs> oh, let's move on from one minor disappointment to another minor disappointment. We had another London derby, <laughs> Arsenal against West Ham at the London Stadium. We started off like a bat out of hell. Shum! And we just got complacent and we did a troops. Sparked up a, anyway. If you know, you know. <laughs> if you don't, don't worry about it. That is how the startup means. But yeah, we kind of just got very relaxed and we we're playing Bob Marley football. That's it. We we're playing Bob Marley football <laughs> when we should have really just gone in for the kill and, and done a John Wick. But unfortunately, we didn't do that. For you, Craig, how do you look back on that game? I was watching a game at work or two in the lot. I was at work eating lunch. Um, I my phone kept on, it was vibrated twice. Two in the lot. Yes. Gonna go on and win the game. Then before half time, then just then, then we got then Parsi got the ball. He tries to flip the ball, tried to flip the ball onto um, Declan Rice's hand. Declan Rice pressed him so hard. Ball does his way through. Played a beautiful pass into Paqueta. Paqueta went through. Gabriel tried to get out the way. Look, one of the softest penalties I've seen in my life. He didn't even clip. It was a little little clip. It wasn't a massive clip. It was like his knee just caught like the side of his ankle. Not even a 50-50 one. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll quickly say this. Tom Daly would be so proud. So yeah. proud. <laughs> Brazilian on Brazilian. So he was very smart. Got the penalty. 2-1. Yeah, they scored a penalty 2-1. The equalising goal. Oh, no. It was 2-1. Then second half, we had a chance to make it 3-1. But I'm not going to blame Bukayo Saka for missing a penalty because he's been he scored every goal, every penalty he's taken for Arsenal this season. He scored. I'm not going to blame him. We all have, we all can go through bad. We all miss a, every top player has missed a penalty in their life. Ronaldo missed a penalty in the Champions League final. Cristiano Ronaldo. All the big players have missed penalties in their life, so it's not it's not a big thing. The thing that I don't understand is he missed the goal, missed the penalty. Then five minutes later, West Ham go to the other end and score the goal. Ramsdale, would he have saved it? I don't want to blame him either because he's had a great season. He made a lot of good saves. Also, he saved us against Liverpool last week, so it'd be kind of harsh for us to blame um, Ramsdale. But one thing I have to say, the last the last six or seven games, every game we conceded goals. We we beat we beat Leeds, we conceded a goal. We beat Crystal Palace, we conceded a goal. I think our lapse in concentration in defence is a problem now. It's been for the last couple of weeks. It seems like we get we we we've got we're like a, a fast car. We go zoom, do what we need to do, get to the finish when it comes to the finish line, we it's like run out of petrol, run out of steam. And I feel like we need to be more ruthless and learn how to kill off teams like we did against Fulham. In the first half, three nil bang, second half we're just playing around, not like that. Relaxing. We didn't do that against West Ham. We thought we were tuning up. We got, as a word, we got gas. We thought, oh yeah, we thought we're going to win the game. And then we didn't win the game. But I feel that, it, to be honest, it's been a great season. We're still top of the league. We got Southampton on Friday. We beat Southampton on Friday, seven points clear. Going to Man City on Wednesday next week. As long as we avoid defeat, I still think we can go on and win the league. Or we can go to City. We haven't beaten City for a while. Maybe we should go out there and try to beat City. City are thinking they're going to be invincible for the rest of the season, but they, 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 this game, last time we played them, we didn't have Jesus up front. 
Jesus is going to want to prove a point against his former club. Shevchenko, if he's fit, is going to want to prove a point against his former club. Why did you sell me kind of thing? So looking forward to the game that on, on Friday. We have to cut out the mistakes. Hopefully Saliba's back in training now, so hopefully he'll be fit to play or come on to sub. And we just need to be more, just win all our games, we win the league. We can't right, drop any more points. Yeah, I, I like that. That's a good summation of, I guess, your flexible in the game. I do want to start off talking about the manner in which we consider the goals. And like you said, it is a pat with pattern. Actually, it's been a pattern throughout this whole season, the way that our intensity drops off. From pre-season through to now, our first 20 minutes in the game, we are electric. And that's been a consistent thing from the summer in preseason and it's carried through to the season and that's been great. The problem, like you've said, is that lately, especially the last seven games, but I think it's been going on longer, but since the World Cup ended and the league resumed, our defensive frailties are starting to come, be a bit more apparent. And I think it is concerning that we are going to nil up or at least we're controlling a game and then our intensity is dropping off. For you, Matthew, Matthew when you look at the that kind of pattern, the last few games, going to nil up and then sort of losing control in that we're not doing things at the same intensity. How do you feel about that? It's like you're, if that's the case, you're picking the wrong time of the year to do it. We're only got like, some teams have only got like seven or eight games left and you've already got your biggest rivals coming up. It's, in next week, um, Southampton, you're home away for that one. Home, home, home. You're home now. It looks dead and buried for them, but don't underestimate a team that's up for a fight. You know, they could turn around somehow and you know put one. I'm not saying they're gonna win. I don't think they will, but you wouldn't be surprised if they put one on you if you're if they're not careful. They're still kind of hanging on to that survival by a thread. But you're gonna have harder games come up where it's like. These moments here, you look back at certain games thinking like that goal shouldn't have been conceded, that goal shouldn't have been conceded, and that West Ham game is going to be pivotal, pivotal, because those two goals you could argue didn't need to happen if your defence just held strong for pretty much the entire game. When you're looking to do the unlike, which you know, which for what no one thought was going to happen at the start of the season, where you're going up there to lift that big old trophy after how many years, you know, it pays to have that discipline for the last few games. Just that, just stand firm just just work at it just just stay solid for the whole way because it, it's 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 looking more and more likely it's going to happen there is no more purple patch there is no more mess up the possibility of Arsenal winning the league is like very very strong and you know pretty much been on top of the top of the thing since what February or even longer than that you've been on top of the table for most of the season and normally what that says is is that like the team on top the team on top goes and wins but you're four points ahead currently. What you don't want to do is to let that creep in very, very slowly towards the end. Because you're going to have Man City. Who else have we got at the end? You've got us, Newcastle, Chelsea, Chelsea Newcastle, Brighton, Brighton, Wolves, the last game of the season. And Wolves, the last game, though. So those main games are forward. So those games, the Wolves, the Chelsea, and the Brighton and Newcastle, there's a potential, there's potential to slip up at any one of those teams. So if you know, you've got whatever Mikel, Mikel's doing. You know, get that defensive solidity back because that's what Premier League teams willing to do. It's not just about scoring goals; it's stopping them from the other team. Yeah, Thomas Partey needs to just kind of get it together because he's been a bit sloppy last few games. I think Bukayo has also been off form as well, and maybe shouldn't start on Friday. But at the same time, he's going to be hungry to make up for that penalty miss. So I, I would put him on the bench, Damn. bring him on. I'd start Trossard or Reese. But um, yeah, or Smith Rowe. 
That's another thing on the arts. Why has Smith played a lot of matches recently? He hasn't, he hasn't come off the bench at all the last couple of games. We remember when Martinelli, we went into, was it this season or last season? I think it was the back in the last season how we barely played games. Yeah. People were wondering what's going on and so I just hate the guy. It's, 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 it can be down to two things. Most likely it's fitness, but it could also just be that they're trying to train him to play in a position to a certain standard and a certain level of output. Martinelli last year, or at least the start of last season, was not the player that ended last season. And he's not the player that's, that started this season, that's been flying this season. So I think with Smith-Rowe, you've got to look at it that way. Arteta has worked wonders with wingers with his tight Man City. Look at how he refined Sterling and Sane. Sane. Sane's game turned them into just output machines. Now, those are two players that had the raw attributes. And if you, anyone who's watched Sterling when he was younger, he was always doing that. But it's just the consistency. Mm. And it's doing it, you know, in the games that matter. And for Man City, he was clutch. Sane was clutch. Mm. So I wouldn't really be too worried about Smith Rowe in terms of getting minutes. I think what we need from him is when we do bring him in, he needs to deliver something. Because yeah. we, we, I don't think there's any fans that don't rate him, but we want to see him. And the thing is as well, like, like on Sunday, I would have brought him on, you know. Instead of in case I would have brought on Smith Rowe. You know why? Because he's got a good record against West Ham. I remember he scored at the Emirates last season against West Ham. I feel like he's running at them in the last couple of minutes. And I think he made a substitutions too late on Sunday as well. He made them... I would have taken off Saka in the second half because he looked tired. He looked, he looked, I think he looks very tired. The last two games, he looked very, very tired. No, I don't think he's out of form. I think he's just tired. Yeah. I think against Southampton, he said, I'll rest him. Play a Nelson or play a, or even play a Trossard and, get, and bring him on second half. Or rest him for Man City. Rest him completely for Man City. No, I'd, I'd bring him on second half. If it's not I'd better play him. Yeah. Because you, you want to get that rhythm. You want to get that miss out your system. You don't want to carry that miss to Man City. Yeah. And then it's, yeah. it's extra pressure. If we get a penalty, who takes it? Him or Jesus? You Jesus. don't want that pressure. <laughs> He'll take it. Yeah. But I think also, yeah. on that note, I think the bigger issue for me is that West Ham equalised, I think around the 58th minute. Mm. We had so much time to get the winner. Mm, and turn around, we just we just never looked like really threatening them. Like we just played safe passes. When Jorginho came on, we had a good amount of control, but there wasn't any of that intensity. Runs. Yeah, we weren't punching the balls into the front line. Yeah, if we Trossard was next to Erdegaard at times. A lot of the time, he he needed to be higher up the pitch. In fact, that was a game in Ketia probably should have come on earlier. That's what I'm saying. He should have brought. The, he made a subs too late. I thought he brought on Reese yeah. Nelson not 90th minute. Or 89, 8 something in it. Not going to make it. I know he did it against Bournemouth, but he needed more time on the pitch. Yeah, we just and, didn't and it wasn't work. The the so, wait, wait. Jorginho, when Jorginho came on, you were already two ahead, weren't you? No, well, two, two, no, two. It was two, two. That's the wrong time to bring him on. You bring him on when you'd bring him on before they try and start scoring so he can control that midfield a little bit more and occasionally ping a really good pass when you're from your runners. So, he, when, he came, when he came on, he helped reestablish the control that we'd lost and we were actually keeping the ball. We were moving a lot better, but then there just wasn't enough forward line penetration. So the ball was, we were cycling through them around the middle of the part. We were working it into wide areas, but in that, we weren't punching it into the middle. We weren't punching it into the cent central area where they were still vulnerable, which we were showing in, in the first half. We weren't moving it fast enough. It was just too pedestrian. It was too predictable. It was too safe. And, they, and I think that's something that we need to be able to as a team, develop the ability that in a game like this, where we have control, and then we lose control, we exactly. need to regain control and just do what we're doing in the, in the first half. 
Why, why is it like Holding was punching in passes into players, looking sharp and crisp and respectable to League One football? Lump it long, <laughs> Sunday League style. Like, it's just not, like, what are we doing? Like, we know how we want to play. Keep it on the floor. Get, give it into your players' feet. Why are we going long? We don't, we don't have the physical striker. We don't have a Giroud up top to, to hold it off like that. So, and, and it was Jesus against the two defenders and they're, they're bigger defenders than him. So, it's not going to win the ball in the air no, all the time. I don't agree with that. Like, Jesus has shown us this season that he can hold the ball up against no, bigger, No, what I mean, what I mean, defenders. he can, but I mean, he's not got the Giroud physicality where he do flick-ons and... All that stuff. He doesn't need to do flick-ons. Or you mean like a linchpin, like a focal point? He doesn't need to do that. I think this season he's shown that when we've played the ball, I think you're forgetting how good he he is with his back to goal and how, the stuff he was doing pre-injury. It's not so much that he's not he can't do it now. It's just he hasn't done it as much in games. But he can hold the ball. Mm. I don't think that's the issue. The issue was we took him off really early. Now, that might have been a concern for his fitness or whatever, but he didn't look happy coming off. But I think the other issue is that when he did come off, we weren't playing the ball in the same areas. He no. was coming deep to receive the ball prior to coming off. He, like I said, Erdog uh, Trossard was next to Erdegaard a lot of the time in the second half when he came off. Jesus was next to him and was Jesus was getting the ball off the defenders. At one point, Jesus was playing right back. Wow. Right um, back wow. in the first half. This was at 2-1. He was playing right back. And I think that was the problem. Like when your centre forward has to come that deep to get the ball and to try and get things moving, mm. the rest of the players aren't stepping up. And I think Erdegaard had, he got his goal, but then he just didn't really rise it. Partey was having a jolly up. Like he, he was he was I, playing I, I, like a man who had a lot of fun on his mind. Like I think Partey's really last two games, Partey's not been the dominant party that we know he can be. I don't know what's going on. He's just being complacent. Since, since, since He's playing beach football. But since the international break, since the international break that we had recently, he has not been the same player since the international break. Because before the international break, he was solid. Now, the last two games, he's looking a bit... Remember against Liverpool, I said to you, we have to take, I would have taken one, either him or Jacker off. Yep. Even Jacker hadn't looked the same recently either, the last two games either. I think he, his level has dropped a little bit as well. well. I think you also have to take into consideration as well that for the team, we have Rob Holding at the back. And I didn't really want to get into Rob, but I'm going to get into him. When you get out-muscled, as you said, Craig, at home, when you get out-muscled by Ben Rama in a 50-50 situation, we've got a problem here. Damn. Mikel Antonio, I don't mind. And he did brush, brush him about a few times. That I can, I can understand. My, he won no aerial duels, no ground it's duels. Ben Rama. No, in the whole match. Jesus. No aerial duels won, no ground duels won. And at that point, you're handicapping the team. And it really does call into question what we do now, especially with the Man City game. I think against Southampton, we could play him again. It won't be too much of an issue because we're at home. The crowd will carry the team through. But against Man City, if Saliba is 20% fit, 80% injection. <laughs> if he's 70% fit, 30% injection. It's one of the situations where we might have to risk it and I don't know if it's a sensible risk or he does something really clever and left field and tries Tierney at right back, brings Ben White back in with Gabriel. So at least we have somewhat of a regular system. system. And to be fair, that might actually work, Tierney at right back, because then it will cut out Grealish is cutting in on his right foot. Mm. It will hamper us attacking wise because, you know, Tierney likes to get around the outside. And he can overlap, but what's he going to do when he gets out there? He's going to have to check back on his left foot. 
So that might hamper us a bit, but it might surprise them. I don't see us playing rural waters. And all those fans saying that we should play rural waters, I'm sorry, it'll be his first senior appearance against the best team in England. Because we're the, we're the best on, you know, we're top of the table, but Man City are still the best team in the country. Mm. You just don't, you don't give a player that opportunity. It's not, it's just it's not crazy. Fair. It's not fair. It wouldn't be fair. But if, if he makes a mistake and costs us the game, then then that conf- his confidence is like what they did with Saka and Land. Some of the stuff they put, the, the, the abuse Saka got on oh, Land yeah, over there was disgusting. I, I, was ang- I was so angry. I, I had to write that. something on, the, on one of the guys post, reposted on his page. And I said, listen, don't do that, man. I, I had to say something. I was very upset about that. Unbelievable. I didn't like that at all. I just think for me, what I don't like, and it's a lot of you, anyway, not mm-hmm. you listeners, you guys are great. But those people out there who have half a brain cell and have to share it amongst them every day to just survive. Why is it when a player makes a mistake or, you know, costs your team? It's just football. It's not like, why do we have to go to racial abuse? Like even, for example, the AC Milan players um, heading into the coach before the Champions League game uh, last night against Napoli. The the monkey chanting that was directed towards Rafael Leal. It's disgusting. By who? Napoli fans? By Napoli fans. Disgusting. Well, yeah. I'm assuming, I, look, I don't know if it's Napoli fans, but they were fans booing the Milan players if you want to call them, in a game where Napoli played against them. Is it Napoli fans? Probably. But, but Napoli, but Napoli got black players on their team, haven't they? Isn't their best striker and no, a black man? They yeah. got so well because it don't make no sense. Wasn't their best defender a black man as well? It, <laughs> it, it just don't make no sense. But this is the thing, like, why is it that that's the place that people feel like it's the go-to? Like, it's pathetic. Like, for real, grow up. And and if not, um, don't just come, don't come back. disappear. Don't come back. We don't want you. Uh, we don't want you. I said the same In football, yeah. outside of football. In society. Um, in society. Just just control all. Anyway. Because those fans will be the you same know, ones know. when England say if England will lift the trophy, they'll be the same fans that turn around and go, oh, I always love Saka. They'll flip reverse like that. They're the same people. Yeah. And it's the fact that they went to the, like, I mean, the picture is just disgusting, but the fact that you go to such deep, disgusting levels it's to try and get at someone for missing a penalty, which to be fair, can happen. And also with the penalty, when you look at it, you can see what he tried to do. He tried to pick it. He tried to place his spot too much. He doesn't normally take penalties like that. And usually when he, he picks a spot, but he goes low or in the corner. Or, or to at least to that side, right? He really tried to put it in the middle, but quite high, but right inside the post. I think it's just a bit too precise. Should have kind of just gone for his usual, roll it. But you live and you learn. Um, there's also this other narrative going around about our lovely club that we have a soft mentality. A couple of idiots in the media were saying that and some podcasters also saying that as well. Like, what's your take on it, Matthew? Do you think Arsenal have a soft mentality? Was in like this, just weak minded kind of yeah. thing. And like, I mean, I wouldn't say so, seeing as the top of the league and how no one expects you to be at the start of the season. I mean, if you ask me, even not in November, do I think you'll still be here in April? The answer would be no. I thought Man City would eventually come and get you. But here we are. I mean, this is often, this has often been a criticism of your club for many, many years where you say, where the, where's the, where's the hunger? Where are the hard men? Where's the desire? Where's this? 
and now you have it. And I think there's just this general kind of almost narrative as if they can't wait for, for you guys to kind of drop at some point and be like, well, I told you so. 37 games in, couldn't do it. We were right all along. Soft mentality. I think it just, it, it can feel like an agenda. How I said about how I'm convinced some people, well, namely one pundit has an agenda against Pogba every time something, something goes wrong. I mean, you just got a, like, you just sometimes, you have to exactly, <laughs> you, have, you just have to acknowledge when they have moved on. And that's what's clear what's happened with you, you've got, if you guys, you've moved on. Like you said from last year, a successful failure. And now you've addressed that by adding in just a few key players to make it right. And let's be real. You brought in two main players who know what it means to have a good mentality, a winning mentality year in, year out. The Warriors in the final, and even if they're not, don't win, they are there. So they've introduced that and that's kind of filtered down through the rest of your players in your club. And even like, say, in the January transfer window, acquiring what, Jorginho, who's won, what, two European Cups since yep. his time at Chelsea, a Club World Cup, who's worked under Thomas Tuchel, someone who knows how to win. So if anything, you've improved your mentality over the time. You know, you're not gone other days where you don't want to be touched or be like just falling on the floor. Now you've got players who are like up for the fight. I mean, in, in the past, you know, Granit Xhaka, he'll be up for it. And um, I know he's not there now, but Kalazanak, he would have been up for, he would not up for a scrap. I, mean, I wouldn't square up to him. So it's like, I just think it's, why it gets difficult. And, you know, it's, it's very easy for me to say because the proof is in the pudding because I can see it, how well you guys are doing, where credit has to be given. We have to drop like, you know, or just say maybe that you're jealous. Or just maybe say that you're jealous of a team that you had no idea and a, and a club that's been in the spotlight for, from from fans and fan channels and all this kind of thing. Maybe it's the fans or the fan channels you don't like. I don't know. Give, give I, don't, I don't know. But uh, you've got a mentality. Soft ain't it. If anyone's got a soft mentality, it's us. Well, I, I don't know. I wouldn't say it's soft mentality. Questionable, but not soft. <laughs> the other thing I want to just say, just as like a, a final point on Arsenal, is that at work today, we were having this discussion about the season and um, one of the doctors asked me like... Um, if Arsenal were to finish second, would you view this season as a success? So for you, Craig, I want to ask you, like, how how would you view this season if we don't end up getting top spot? Because to me, I've, I've put it down as like, because I look even looking at it from last season, it's the case of success versus progression. And... I think there is that kind of hard seesaw of opinion on how you might view it. But for you, how would you look at this season if we don't secure the top spot? Progression and failure. Progression is like we've progressed from where we finished the last two seasons, fifth, fifth, and lower than fifth. But then top almost, almost the whole season. The only time we got knocked off top spot was only for like one game when we lost against City. And then we got we retained it against Aston Villa. So we've been top all season. And for us to lose it now, psychologically, it could affect the whole team. But I am confident that we'll we'll go on and win the league. If we if we win against Southampton and we don't lose against City next week, I think we can win the rest of, all the rest of our games. But but yeah. if if we finish second, I'm not saying we are, but if it, if it happens, I think it's a great season because. Nobody in the media expects us to get in the top four this season. Everyone said Arsenal going to fit outside the top four. Yeah, the Gary Nevilles, the all these pundits, I'm not even going to name them, all said that Arsenal going to struggle this season. So we surprised everybody. Even everyone said top four prediction to start the season. Are Liverpool going to finish in the second? Man City going to win it? 
Liverpool, Man United, Chelsea were going to top four. That was, that was a prediction of the season. Tottenham as well. But we surprised everyone. So I, I think Arsenal this season have been the underdogs all season. So if we win the league, it'll be one of the greatest wins in a long time. It's like, it'll be like Leicester winning it all them seasons ago because nobody predicted Leicester will win the league. But if we don't, if we finish runners up, it'll be a great progression. And it will show that next season we go again, get, some, get more quality players in to improve the squad and we keep it moving from there and we continue progressing. But... I I passed him in my heart. I feel like we can go on. We could, we still got a chance to win because Man City have got a lot of hard games coming up. I know they're playing now in Champions League, so they've got a lot of hard games coming up. They got to play more games than us, and they got to play Brighton in the last game of the season. And Brighton's not going to be an easy game. We got them at home. We got them in I think second to last game of the season, and they got them as the last game of the season potentially. Maybe by then the, the league will be wrapped up by then. Hopefully, so. But also yeah. with with that Brighton game they will have Champions League qualification in mind because mm. I think they can still make it. They can they? mathematically so can. Yeah, so they, they might be in contention for a top four. Mm. They're definitely in contention for top six and I think they'll get that, but there might be more to play for. So I think it is going to go down to the wire and I think they it's going to be hard for them because they're going to have to keep performing at their best and they can't take the fell to pedal. And if tonight, if Bayern really give them a game, and in fact, their last few games have shown that there is some vulnerability, but for Leicester having a bit more quality in their finishing, Filecci. then, you know, <laughs> matters. Maybe we might have a different story right now, but I think the most important thing is that we're ahead. We have a margin. We can increase it at the weekend or, or Friday. And then we, we play them. And you know we showed in the in the three in two games we played against them so far this season, the league game close game, well played to them, the cup really close game. Tactically we surprised them, completely surprised them, man to man marking across the whole pitch, and but for a bit of lazy defending, we might have gotten out of that one. We were surprised one nil, was surprised victory. And Unfortunately, the, 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 it wasn't the, the goalkeeper was in good form that day because he saved Trossard's shot. I think he saved, he saved a couple of good shots that we took against him. Tommy has had a good shot as well and he yeah. made a good world-class save. So yeah, you're right. So it's been, it's been fine margins and I think that's, that's, that's the exciting thing. The fact that we can go toe-to-toe Manchester City and it's fine margins that are making the biggest difference. Well, it's enough talk about the top of the table. <laughs> Let's look at the bottom half. We've mentioned Chelsea already. Oh my God. Um, it is a very, very interesting season. In fact, right now, just looking through the Premier League table, we've got in 11th place, we've got Chelsea on 39 points. In 20th place, we've got Southampton on 23 points. They're still not down and out. They could still make it. Their goal difference is minus 29. Above them, Leicester, 19th place, 25 points, minus 14 goal difference. Nottingham Forest in 18th place, 27 points, Minus 32 goal difference. 17th place, we've got Everton on 27 points. Minus 22 goal difference. Leeds in 16th place, 29 points. Minus 20 goal difference. West Ham, 15th place, 31 points. Minus 12 goal difference. Bournemouth, 14th place, 33 points. Minus 28 goal difference. Wolves, 13th place, 34 points, minus 16 goal difference. Crystal Palace in 12th, 36 points, minus 9 goal difference. And last but not least, Chelsea, 11th, 
place, 39 points minus three goal difference. Potentially, this could be the first season in a long time where we might have up to seven teams that could go down. Because I wouldn't be surprised if Southampton go on a crazy run, not starting on Friday, but go on a crazy (laughs) run where they actually start picking up some points and making it interesting. But no one's really been able to pull away. I think Palace and Chelsea are safe. I think we can disregard them for now. Wolves are safe as well. Wolves on 34. Two more wins and they're safe, I think. Yeah, I think Wolves is still a bit shaky. I think after, in two games time, we'll, we'll see. But everyone else, Bournemouth, West Ham, Leeds, Everton, Forest. Hard to call, you know, it's very hard to call. I think Bournemouth have done quite well because they were looking doom and gloom at one point. So they Yeah, done, they were on the run. They, they picked up the points. Run, yeah. I mean, prior to that, Forest were on that run. Forest yeah. were previously in 13th and yeah. now they're down to, to 18th. Southampton weren't 20th all this time. No. So it's it's really fast changing and, and everything's happening. And Everton, are, they've not quite had the Sean Dyche bounce. But they have a game against Man City coming up soon. So all I'm saying is, if ever you <laughs> wanted to wake up, no pressure. It's your own funeral and futures on the line, not ours. <laughs> so, you know, whatever they want, they could they could do turn up. But I think looking at that, like this has been an exciting season. Best season, so much to best play season for. in years. Absolutely. Like, of those teams, give us two names that you would be gutted to see relegated. And I'll start with you, Matthew. Forest and Leeds. Greg? Leeds and Forest. Yeah, I like Forest. Oh, wait. Two teams. Um, yeah, Leeds and. Yeah, Nottingham Forest. I like Nottingham Forest. They're a good team. Yeah. I kind of want Southampton to stay up. We've taken quite a few of their, you know, young academy talents over the years. <laughs> and it's, yeah, I, I kind of like what it did. And Leeds, you know, it's it's um, got a strong affinity there for my uni days. Didn't go to Leeds, but I always got love for Yorkshire. So going to have to rep them. Until Bradford get promoted, then you guys can go <laughs> down as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> but yeah, it's been, it's, it's been what a, an incredible season. Wild. And I'm really excited to see how it all pans out. And hopefully between now and the end of the season, Lampard can really build on that positive uh, performances in this game and try and get you some points because you might be on 39. But if you continue on in this current vein, you might get dragged into that relegation battle. You shouldn't. Brentford next. You might. Because you're on relegation form right now. We are. We are. Four games on the bounce. Nothing. Wait, where you've had Brentford? Home or away? Uh, no, I think at home. I think it's at home this one. This this weekend? Uh, yeah. We'll win. No, no, wait. 20, 26 is my next game. Because FA Cup weekend. So I think it's Wednesday. Same day. I think it's the same day you play um, Man Yeah, Man City. City. So yeah. we've got games on Tuesday oh, and Wednesday. It's FA Cup. After that, we play you. Okay. Big ones. That's a big game, you know. May the second. <laughs> yeah, so we'll see how it goes. It's going to be a massive week next week hopefully you you guys can i mean if you want to uh, pull off a big game this weekend we've got fulham leeds what are we expecting there fulham win leeds win draw fulham are at home fulham are in good form at the moment he's got battered 6-1 by liverpool on monday you know what yeah i fancy leeds away win 2-1 fulham are fighting for uh, europe I think they're in better things to do it. I could see like a 3-1 to Fulham. 1-1 to Fulham. 
I'm going to go for a 1-1 draw. Brentford, Aston Villa. Brentford are at home. I feel what you're expecting. Villa are on good form. Real good form. Five wins. Um, Villa win. 1-0, one 1-0, 2-0. 2-2. 2-2 draw. Yes, man. <laughs> I'm backing Tony and Watkins to get a goal. I'm going to say 3-2 Villa. Just. Not 3-1? <laughs> Mr. Free One. <laughs> that only worked out in one game almost, and then Man City had to score again. Crystal Palace versus Everton at um Selhurst Park. Palace are running sensational form since Roy Hodgson has come back, which just goes to prove sometimes you can spin the block and it can work out. Shame <laughs> it didn't work out for you guys, but hey, yeah. still time. Uh I'm gonna draw. Two two draw. Two two draw. It's- Palace versus Palace, Everton. Everton. Palace right at home. Eze is in form. I'm going 3-1 Palace. I'm going 4-0 Palace. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Leicester versus Wolves at Leicester. Craig, what are you expecting? I think I think I think this week John Terry and um the managers they are watching them yes online though they're doing a lot of training, like defensive work and all that. So I, th- I think Leicester are gonna win. If 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 Kelechi can score, if Jamie Vardy can get a goal. I think Leicester will win. Madison gets on goals. I think Leicester are going to win. What score are you expecting? 2-0. Two 2-0 nil. Two nil Leicester. 2-1 Wolves. Costa header. I say 1-0 one, one Wolves. Just have enough. Liverpool versus Nottingham Forest. Could be a classic. Could be a mid-off. What are we expecting? It's a tough one because it just seems like the one kind of one. There's history in it too. It could be Liverpool one are at home, by the way. Sorry, Forrest, 4 0 Liverpool. Liverpool? 4 0 Liverpool. 4 0 Liverpool. 3 1. Hey, what the fuck? Hey. <laughs> it's returned, it's returned, it's returned. Yeah, and obviously we've got Southampton on. Oh, we've got a couple more games. Saturday, Sunday, Bournemouth, West Ham, Bournemouth at home. I fancy Bournemouth, you know, 2 1 Bournemouth. Bournemouth. I fancy Bournemouth. Yeah, well, yeah. 3 1. 3 1 Bournemouth. And yeah. uh, I think 1 0 West Ham. Mm. Might as well. <laughs> Ruining our fun. So do your own job. And then lastly, for the weekend's games, Newcastle versus Tiny Tots, Tottenham Hotspurs. Saw their name right for once. The Spuds. Mm. What are you thinking, Craig? Why? Newcastle were in good form until last week. Then they lost against um, Aston Villa. Villa. Villa I fancy Newcastle, you know. So the way Tottenham's defence is this season, yeah. The way how Davison Sanchez got abused by Tottenham fans the other day, yeah. I fancy, I fancy Newcastle. 3 2. Tottenham will definitely score, so I say 3 2. 3 2. No champagne football for the Spurs, so it's going to be 2 1 Newcastle. Three new nil pan your head tucked. <laughs> Hold that. So you're gonna get three nil defeat away from home. That's what you're expecting. I, w- I would have said more, but got vested interest there. I want Newcastle to do well, but not too well. <laughs> I think that we'll call that a wrap. Thanks for listening. What are your expectations? Do you think Arsenal should be concerned about these? run of games where we 
giving away goals like Charity FC over there? Oui. Or should we be happy that things will turn around? And if you're a Chelsea fan, how do you feel about the Frank Lampard disaster class era return nonsense thing? And how do you feel about Todd Bowley just generally turning up and he's been going into the dressing room after every match, as Thiago Silva confirmed, not to complain, but to ask the players, how are you feeling? How are you feeling? How are you feeling? How do you think, Todd? There's bare man around here. They ain't getting minutes. Some of them were sitting outside. Now they've expanded the changing room so they can all fit. How do you think we're feeling? We're Chelsea and we're playing like a bag of crap. Mm. But keep asking us how we're feeling because the therapy session is definitely working out. Anyway, that's (laughs) us signing out. See you all next time. Peace. Peace.